Today's podcast is brought to you by Phoenix Roasters Coffee. With the mission to create global and local change, Phoenix Roasters uses direct trade and the top-ranked coffee in the world to provide dignified and empowering work for those in underdeveloped communities. More than ever, this generation is asking, what do I do that matters? Phoenix Roasters roasts cloud-grown, top-ranked, direct-trade coffee and is paying farmers an average of 10 times more than current fair trade wages for their crops. When you drink Phoenix Roasters, hashtag coffee that matters, you are enjoying an excellent cup of coffee that is bringing dignified hope and relief through education, vocation, and medication in both our local and our global community. Phoenix Roasters Coffee. You can find them on the web at phoenixroasters.coffee. Coffee that matters. Well, welcome to Road Dirt again. I'm Rob Brooks, your host. Thanks for joining us. We are your down-home grassroots motorcycle media covering what we like to call the ride life. And this evening, I'd like to share a kind of a part two um, from one of our riders. Back a few, uh, few weeks ago, Ted Edwards up in Spokane, Washington, our writer on the West Coast, wrote an article called Best Roads of the Upper Left, Part 1. And uh, it's been getting um, a lot of good traction, a lot of interest, and uh, a lot of enjoyment from people that have read it and have went to the site and seen all the photos we've uploaded with it. Well, he has submitted his uh, follow-up to that, Best Roads of the Upper Left, Part 2, dealing specifically with local favorites. So I bring you Ted Edwards, Best Roads of the Upper Left, Part 2, Violating a Sacred Trust to Unveil Five More Local Favorites. We all have our local roads that we hold dear, those hidden gems, that secret stash of perfectly paved paradise that you safeguard lest the masses descend and destroy your hidden haven. It might be as short as a few miles or as long as 50, but it's your well-worn friend in the dance. You keep its location secret, its very existence guarded, the details only revealed on a need-to-know basis to those worthy of your trust and possessing proper riding abilities. I will now violate that trust. After informing the powers that be that operate road dirt, that I live in a motorcycle nexus of sunshine days and alpine roads, I was tasked with describing my asphalt playground. Of course, the first installment of this series covered the five obvious heavy hitters. You can find that on the website, RoadDirt.tv, Best Roads of the Upper Left, Part 1. But these next five roads are the masterpieces that lie in wait the obscure gems of Washington State and parts of Eastern Oregon, the roads that are talked about in hushed whispers. When their names are mentioned, experienced bikers give a knowing nod while the rookies tilt their heads quizzically, like a dog hearing a far-off unfamiliar sound. The riders of our Mild Hogs touring group in Wenatchee, Washington, have spent years, and in some cases several decades, mining for these paved gems that I am about to reveal to you. Although my fellow riders may berate me in the comments section of the website and strip me of my colors, I must reveal all in hopes 
that this will inspire others to come and discover what we locals already know, that the upper left part of the United States has mountains and plains, lakes and rivers tied together with evergreens and asphalt. It is a ride best enjoyed with friends, if I have any left after this. The first one we'll cover, Old Spiral Highway. If a road is curvy enough to inspire a song, then it's a good motorcycle road. Singer and songwriter Charlie Ryan once owned a 1948 Lincoln with a 12-cylinder engine and a chassis shortened two feet, then dressed with a 1930 Ford Model A body. He raced a friend who drove a Cadillac up a road outside of Lewiston, Idaho, called the Old Spiral Highway. Later, he incorporated parts of this race into his song, Hot Rod Lincoln, but changed the name to Grapevine Hill. The Old Spiral Highway is best done northbound, beginning at Idaho Highway 128 and ending at Highway 95. It packs about 50 curves into its 7.3 miles, and running uphill, the curves are steeply banked, encouraging deplorable acts of hooliganism. Some of us have torn stitches in the fingers of our gloves from doing finger drags along the perfect pavement. Unfortunately, it was recently overcome with an infection of those tar snakes, slippery enough to cause the front end of your bike to tuck and slide. Take my word for it. Although the tar snakes might curb your enthusiasm, it is still a road worthy of riding and worthy of the song. Next up, Oregon Highway 20, otherwise known as Cow Chip Highway. I have been stuck in the middle of a cattle drive every time I've been on this road. Every time. The local ranchers drive hundreds of cattle along this mid-Oregon asphalt treasure, cowboys and cowgirls working the herd while dogs hunt down the stragglers. When you look at this road, you see why. Oregon Highway 20 connects the small town of Austin to the east and Highway 395 to the west, a shortcut through the wooded serpentine hills rather than going the long way around to the south. The steep canyon walls leave the road no choice but to follow the aged meanderings of the nearby river, creating a hidden gem of motorcycle heaven. But the canyon also leaves the local ranchers no alternative for moving their herds of cattle. The cattle have nowhere else to go, so they just lope along literally in the middle of the road, leaving their exhaust treasures behind, making for some very interesting and slippery riding conditions. I mean, who has ever taught about the dangers of cow pies mid-apex in the motorcycle safety course? But there they are, well-placed poo mines, scattered everywhere among the 44 miles of winding road, giving you just one more reason to turn, lean, and smile. The road, the scenery, and the cattle drives combine to make it a unique riding experience enjoyed by those with a rather twisted sense of humor. At the end, there will be cow pies on your fender, your radiator, your jacket, your face shield, and smiles galore. Therefore, keeping your face shield closed is highly recommended. Thirdly, Historic Columbia River Highway 30. The Columbia River Highway 30 was purpose-built to be a scenic highway. Well, mission accomplished. 
Oregon Highway 30 stretches from the Dallas to Troutdale, Oregon. Sometimes it temporarily joins Interstate 84, but it is best enjoyed in its isolated stretches that climb, descend, and wind through basalt cliffs that line the Columbia River Gorge. The cool river winds and basalt columns are ever-present riding partners on a road that has, was completed in 1922, designed to flow with and highlight the terrain and scenery rather than plow through it. Imagine that nowadays building a road for the sole purpose of making a scenic drive. There are a few of those around the U.S. Even the guardrails here are beautiful. Unforgiving granite blocks are masoned together to ricochet your bike back into the road where you belonged in the first place. Just don't focus on them for too long. Major landmarks like the Rowena Curves and Crown Point Observatory make for great excuses to stop and catch your breath. The observatory was completed in 1918 for $100,000 with the sole intent of its Roman architecture, marble, and brass fittings to make it the most beautiful highway restroom possible. Everything along this drive, from the river, the road, the guardrails, and yes, the $100,000 restroom, makes it one of the most beautiful riding experiences in the Northwest. Fourth, Oregon Highway 245, the Dooley Mountain Road. East Coast dwellers, you can have your tale of the dragon. We in the upper left have our own. It's called Dooley Mountain Road. With about 188 curves in its brief 14 miles, it's a local, slightly obscure legend. There are few opportunities to catch your breath as one curve leads into another and another and another all while gaining elevation to a summit of over 5,400 feet, then dropping down the other side into the town of Baker City, Oregon. This is a mountain road after all, yet despite its jaw-dropping numbers, it still remains relatively empty. As you read the number of curves, look at the maps, the forest terrain, and comprehend the elevation changes, it seems like a beautiful motorcycle nirvana but it's dangerous. Beautiful and dangerous, like a scantily dressed ex-girlfriend ringing your doorbell with a half-empty bottle of tequila in one hand and a gun in the other. One misstep means trouble. There is just no room for error. Steeply banked corners snuggle up to the side of the mountain, inviting speed, but this also means there are frequent dirt and gravel patches in the corners, waiting like hidden gremlins to send you skidding offline. The smooth pavement is enticing, but the width is narrow, with no guardrails, so one mistake means you're hurtled into space among the waiting evergreens. Only the tops of these 100-foot-tall behemoths are visible because the terrain drops away that quickly. A recent fire stripped away um, a lot of the foliage of these wooden sentinels, left them bare to the branches, leaving them looking like 100-foot-tall Vietnam-era punji spikes ready to skewer a biker with poor decisions. If you stray too far into the opposite lane, a log truck coming at you will make sure to put you back in your place as its trailer comes way too far into your lane around the hairpin curve you were just ready to strafe. Some of our riders have had a life-changing pucker moment on this road, myself included. 
Maybe we should ride it a bit slower. Nah, no way. It's deadly and dazzling, pretty and perilous, and the alarm is part of the allure. It's the carnival ride that feels like it's trying to kill you but makes you want to get right back on. This is a road you ride for two days just to get there and experience that you center your tour around, that afterwards you get off the bike and realize you held your breath nearly the whole time. And lastly, Glenwood. Never heard of it? I'm not surprised. The Glenwood area is one of the best kept riding secrets of the Pacific Northwest. Every road into, out of, and around Glenwood are wooded asphalt beauties. Canyon carving masterpieces and river hugging roads that are delightfully empty. If I had a guest visit the upper left and ask the tour with me, I'd take him to Glenwood. Directly to Glenwood. Do not pass go, do not collect do hundred dollars. We are going to Glenwood. Our touring trip spent several years mining every riding niche this area has to offer and revealing its location to others is like pulling the mask off the Lone Ranger. You just don't do it. However, no other location can take its place as number one on our list. The Glenwood area has a massive network of roads leading in and out that allow you to ride about 140 miles of continuous mountain goodness without ever getting 30 miles out of town. Here's how you do it. Start in Glenwood, head east along a winding country road to Trout Lake. You earn bonus points for spelunking the ice caves there in full motorcycle gear. Next, you take the short scenic jaunt to the town of BZ Corner. That's BZ Corner. You gas up and you get ready. From BZ Corner, head north to Glenwood on the BZ Glenwood Highway. It starts with 15 miles of perfect uphill pavement among evergreens with linked tight curves that rival Dooley Mountain Road. When the road reaches farmland, the open range gives way to giant radius sweepers among ancient barns and curious cattle. With miles of visibility, picturesque farms, and endless fields graced with the presence of nearby prominent Mount Adams, it feels like a hooligan shredding in Amish country. Well, shred away. I still remember this road as the first time I was able to drag my fingers on pavement mid-corner. When I looked up, our road captain Todd Shiflett and tail gunner Trevor Alexander were doing it also. My son Matt was dragging his muffler, which later flew off the bike. After arriving at Glenwood, head east on the Goldendale Highway. The road is straight for a short stretch before plunging into a gorge that is every canyon racer's dream. Rock face on either side, sheer drop on the other, and a road that barely squeezes between them, embracing the curving cliff face as it throws your exhaust soundtrack back at you. Can it get any better? Well, it does. At the top of the road, turn south along Klickitat Canyon for another 35 miles of river-hugging road. Once at the bottom of the gorge, then head north on the Appleton Highway and bask in its hypnotic first and second gear switchbacks all the way back to Glenwood. In all, it's about 140 miles of uninterrupted road bliss. But it's not just about the roads. Glenwood also puts the other roads in these lists within reach of Antelope to Shanico, the Cowchip Highway, Historic Columbia River Highway 30, and Mount Rainier National Park, to list a few. 
The experienced riders among us drop our gear at Glenwood for days at a time and make our breakfast conversation center around what we want to explore that particular day because the choices are many from here, varied, and all of them are very good. Then there's the local folks. We've adopted them as family and they've exchanged the favor inviting us to their quilt fundraisers uh, on the website. Check out Searching for America with more about that. Their potluck dinners and into their own homes throwing barn parties in our honor. Here my inner storyteller is tempted to go on, but what happens at a barn party stays at a barn party. Look, I know the stereotypes held by the rest of the nation about the upper left of these United States, that it rains all the time, the people are grumpy, and the roads are crap. I perpetuate these false notions, and I keep the real truth a secret in hopes of keeping this homeland of mine sacred. But should you come visit to discover the truth, to see for yourself what I've described and ride as a local, be warned, you might not want to leave. Ted Edwards. Well, thank you, Ted. Man, your two uh, articles, part one and part two of Best Roads of the Upper Left, have been very entertaining. If you haven't seen them yet, you need to go on our website, roaddirt.tv. Check out uh, Ted's writings as well as the other staff we have. I put a lot of them up. And Phil Gauthier, my associate editor, and Ryan Nolan, one of our race correspondents, and Dean Phelps, others that that, uh, write and photograph for us. Check us out on the web. We'd love you to go uh, see what we've got out there. Also, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn. And we have a YouTube channel we've been building up, Road Dirt TV, a YouTube channel with a lot of videos that we've been filling up that with lately and hope to add more. So hope you'll look us up, give us a look, a like, a comment. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you, actually, here and on those media platforms. Well, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you taking the time with us this evening. And uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. And until next time, ride life. <laughs>